In the twilight years of the Roman Empire, we meet a Gothic king that stabilizes the West better than Rome. This is the quest for power. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Quest for Power. My name is Scott, and I am here again with my co-host. And I am Michael. And in case you are new to the show, we are ranking and reviewing all of the European monarchs from the early Middle Ages to World War I. Now, if you did not listen to our previous episode for the seven-day usurpation by Sigurek, we highly suggest that you check that out. It's a quick listen and helps set the stage for today's episode. So I normally would get into this quick banter and how you've been, Michael, but you and I both know and now our listeners that this is such a short time period of seven day rule for our previous ruler that we're just back to backing this. And actually, hopefully you users, uh, listeners are interested enough that you are also listening to us back to back. Yeah, except for we're doing it right away, they get a day apart. So you guys get a day to think about and marinate in Sigurik's seven-day usurpation where he, you know, just did so much in those days. He stabbed people. That he did. He was very good at the stabby stab. It's an essential skill for monarchs. But, okay. Sigurik. Seven-day rule, air quotes on rule. Let's uh, let's move on to the next guy. You mentioned uh, Walia or Valia. It's uh, it sounds like there's uh, I believe like a Germanic influence in there, right? So we'll take some liberties with pronunciations here. It could be Walia. It could be Valia. It matters that it came from the, it could be Germanic influence because remember these guys came from actually even farther than the Germans. They came from the Danube region. He was most likely around Alaric and his band of people. So he's still all amongst those people. And therefore it could be Valia, could be Walia. I don't know. Pick your favorite because unfortunately books don't always tell us how to pronounce things. That is correct. And these are translated names, too, so they could be different already. Well, before we dive on in into the life and times of Valia or Walia, we need to discuss the sources. We once again have the pleasure of Jordanes, who I am learning more and more that people say he is just absolutely wrong. There are so many sources that go, yeah, we don't know what Jordanes is talking about. The problem is, is he's the one who's closer than the other ones to this time period. So I don't know who we believe. Yeah, well, a lot of bias from this man, for sure. But that's, oh, yeah. that's part of his charms. I think just as much as we grow on our rulers, both good and bad, we'll slowly grow on Jordanes. Yeah. And then, of course, our other favorite, Victorian Gibbon. 
So Woo! I'm so excited. We have a new source this week. I found an absolute treasure and a godsend called The Story of the Goths from the earliest times to the end of Gothic Dominion in Spain. Spoiler alert by Henry Bradley, and it was published in 1887. So it is definitely secondhand material, but it actually provides a narrative and kind of helps things make sense from just the scraps of sources that we get otherwise. That's pretty convenient. It could be a primary source if the writer was a vampire. That is true. I did not think of that. That would be how great would that be if the the sources were vampires and the whole time all of our histories were taken down by vampires and they had to break it up just to make it look like it's different people. I really would appreciate that because that's really responsible use of immortality. We teach humanity everything that humanity has done, everything we've done right and wrong, and then we still find ways to muck it up. It's great. Yeah, that would that'd be fun. I, I like that's that's head canon of the world now. It's safe to say that this book is going to be with us for a long time. It provides a nice narrative to many of our gothic rulers and I'm just excited to continue to use it. I will be checking it against other sources because some of the things that it says sometimes I'm like that does not make any sense. With all of that out of the way, are you ready for Valia? Mostly. We can't have too many letdowns here in comparison to last time. So I mean, I'm hopeful. He, he, if anything, he's going to be just a ray of sunshine compared to what we had last week. We don't know much about him. We know that he was born. Fantastic. I can relate. It is said that he is related to the great Alaric, though we don't know. He's off to a great start. And we do know that he is part of the Balti dynasty. All right. Other than that, he does not enter the record until he is elected king of the Visigoths. And that just sounds like an ancient monarch. Yes, yes, that, that does. So come on, Scott, you're a DM. Come up with a fun origin story. What do you got off the cuff? Whoa, off the spot? Walia? Let's see. Or Valia? He's very upset at the death of his relative and begins to swear vengeance. He's the one who managed to assassinate our good friend Sigurik. He's the reason for the seven-day rule. He had a very short story arc and origin story. That's a solid, that's a solid origin story. And you know what? It might make that actually could work with the coming days. He uh he's 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 a different ruler than our last two. He took part in the festivities during the sacking of Rome. He was part of all of that with Alaric, Atolf. He would have been with Atolf during his conquests of Gaul and Spain. He was most likely a great warrior, probably a good general. Again, this is not fact. This is just based on common sense of what would be going on during this time. It's nice we're getting back to pseudo-democracy here. Yes, yes. He was elected, so that is nice. After the usurper Sigurik was slain, Walia was raised on his shield and proclaimed king of the Goths, first of his name. Woo! I love that you the way you're proclaimed king is being raised on your shield. That is so much more fun than 
how they do other crownings. I, I don't know. That's just, that seems so gothic to me, I guess. <laughs> I wonder if it's a figurative raised on your shield. That's what I wonder, because I know that traditions can be ritualistic like that, but it, I feel like after a certain point that if it hasn't already, that it just begins to devolve into like a figurative, you were figuratively raised on your shield, but, or did they, do we have any sources that state they literally hoisted them up on a shield? The biggest source we have on this is when Alaric was raised on his shield and that is all they said. So that too could have been figurative, but I could see it back then for sure him being raised on his shield because at that time it seemed like he was in a metal concert and he was crowd surfing as they were going, we're going to take it to the Romans. It's some uh, gothic metal experience here. Oh yes. All the crossovers. Jordanes describes him as an exceeding stern and prudent man. It is said, it is said though, that he traded Atoff's widow Gallia, not Gallia, Gala Placidia kindly after Sigaric tormented her. So that's nice of him. She gets to ride horses now instead of walking next to them. That is, that is correct. I think she is still, I don't know if she would be considered as a widowed queen consort or if she would be considered a captive. She is definitely a chess piece that Valia gets the, to use. Sounds like a prisoner to me, but, you know, a nicer prisoner. Yeah. The good, the political prisoner, the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of prisoners of war. The Goths wanted their ruler to be a tougher king than Atoff, who appeared to be soft to the Romans. That's one of the reasons he was assassinated, is because he just seemed way too soft to the Romans. So despite his kindness to Gala, Gala he started his reign by going to war against all factions in Spain, including the Roman forces, the Vandals, and the Suevis. A little hasty, I think. But I can understand the desire to not be soft to Romans, but... This seems like a little much. He's fast to fast to action. It's almost like an overcorrection. We went from inept kings and, you know, softies to now, okay, we are going to go to hard steel and we are going to put, we're going to get, you know, put people to the sword now. We're going back to our roots is what it feels like he almost wants to do. He did prove himself to be less like Atoff and more like Alaric. He quickly conquered most of Spain However, as fast as he conquered it, he was forced to the Straits of Gibraltar due to famine. Wow. He's he's no Alaric. <laughs> Walia, like Alaric before him, also tried to cross over into Africa to secure food supplies for his people, but failed because of storms in the Mediterranean. Are you sure he's not like Alaric? This seems like mm. a carbon copy of Alaric. Well, considering that this is just the beginning of the episode, I have a very strong feeling that it's not like Alaric. He's still alive. The, <laughs> I mean, you do have that point. The Mediterranean Sea is turning out to be a real thorn in the side for the Visigoths. I guess some things are just not meant to be. Yeah, there's just certain bodies of water you don't cross. Like, what is that? Yeah. Oh, it's killing me. Not remembering that saying, what is that? Whenever um, 
the Romans uh, like crossing the certain river. It's are you talking? Me, I remember. Are are you talking uh, crossing the strait, uh, the English Channel? No, uh, it's like a saying of like whenever you basically like crossing this point where of no return is. <sighs> You are crossing, that is referring to Julius Caesar, and me as a history nerd knows this. Crossing the Rubicon. Yep, thank you. That's it. It's gonna, yeah, it was killing me. I oh heard it my so God. work. Yeah. Oh. I've been steeped in Roman history up to this point, just trying to get to learn about the, the setting up for our kings. And I, oh, the most important thing in Roman history. Is I was so confident. I was so oh. confident that you knew because I'm like, this is a man who knows his ancient history. Oh, I, I, I heard on the inside right now. I, I'm sorry <laughs> to all history nerds. Yes. Although it really, that's not, that was more of a symbol of yeah. that is like, you have now turned against the Republic more than a big mythical sea. The Romans and the Goths all like feared the ocean with, there's a good reason. It is very treacherous, especially at that time when their ships were like wooden sailboats. <laughs> yeah. And um, that's where we get the name Ocean is Oceanus because they were afraid of dealing with Oceanus and it was considered a bad thing. So I, you know... I understand why they're so scared of this thing and why it is causing such chaos, even though to us today, we'd be like, what? That's really, you can't get from the straight, you know, into this between the Straits of Gibraltar, between Spain and Africa, that's just too hard for you. But yes, it really actually is. Yeah. I am also just amazed at like the, how rough like the ocean seas can get. And that's just that that's the ocean. I know that's not exactly the Mediterranean Sea, but that also can get just brutal. Yeah, a lot of Greek a lot well, think about the Greek um story of the Odyssey where he gets blown off. That's all in the Mediterranean Sea. They make it seem like it's this grand ocean, which it really is. It's the Mediterranean Sea that he's dealing with that whole time. So, it is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. This is why I feel like Walia is exactly like Alaric. I feel like this is if Alaric did not get a fever and die because he had no choice. So with his back against the sea, Walia had no choice but to broker peace with Constantius and the Western Empire. Yuck. Uh, you know, it's just a bad taste in your mouth. What do you think the conditions were of this treaty? Whew. Well, I'm assuming that their previous agreements have been long left off the table at this point, so they are no longer considered friends of Rome. <laughs> um, I can't imagine they're friends of each other at all. All right, well, let's see what we got here. You mentioned the pawn, so we have a Roman princess, and that's mostly it. Probably, like, leave my stuff alone, Rome says, and constantius says give me my sister back or yeah sister honoris honoris, honoris. says give me my sister that's back. right constantius, constantius is the is the man is who the, wants he's the little puppet master behind honoris that's right so yeah 
I think that's got to be about it. Just leave us alone. Give back the give back the princess. And I don't know if Rome is smart enough to leverage an advantage and say you have to pay us thing. I was going to say, what do you think the Goths are going to get in return? They got to get something. They're not going to... Your lives. <laughs> Pull an Alaric on them. <laughs> that's pretty good. According to Jordan's Honoris, who, remember, is the puppet gov- uh, emperor that we were talking about, was eager to free his sister from the disgrace of servitude and made an agreement with Constantius that if by peace, war, or whatever means necessary, bring back my sister to the empire and you can have her in marriage. Remember, these are the same people, if you recall, back in Atolf's episode that said she disgraced herself by marrying Atolf. He's just a desperate guy, you know? I, I, I guess so. And in return for handing over Galapocidia, the Goths received 600,000 bushels of wheat and were allowed to rule Spain on behalf of the Western Empire. That's generous. At- Alaric must be fuming in his grave. This is what he wanted to the T. Depends on how much he cares about his stability and dynasty. I think it's a good, this is really good. And I feel like this is what maybe the princess could have been. It sounds really bad to say, but used for in the first place. (laughs) Yeah, again, this is why when we kept saying in Atoll's episode, he's just not Alaric. He's just not that powerful person. He had a very valuable pawn and he did nothing with it. He he married her. So, I mean, I guess you have that. But yeah, it is horrible that we talk about people as pawns like that. But that's what it was in this time. She was a very valuable pawn in, in the grand Game of Thrones of it all. Alrighty, so we got to do a little side quest. Gala is such an interesting person, and unfortunately, she doesn't really interact too much with the Visigoths until later rules. So we're going to go on and just do a little summary of her life. Um, We haven't done this before, unless you count all of our side tangents. It's also often in this time that we get no information of a female ruler or even their wives during this time. So this is really kind of cool stuff that we get to, to read about. When Gala was brought back to Ravenna, she was forced to marry Constantius, who she remember she hated. Mm-hmm. Her, her husband was then made joint emperor with his puppet Honoris. However, lucky for her, he only lived to possess the throne for seven months. Nice. Kind of kind of nice how that works out. A little, little karma. He died of this thing called pleurisy, which according to the most trusted source, WebMD, is a type of chest pain that can be caused by infections from the flu or fungus. Today, it's easily treated by antibiotics, but back then, any illness you got that needed antibiotics, that needed penicillin, dead. Like, unless a miracle happened. Yeah, they happen sometimes. I know we've ranted, I think, on multiple occasions about the wonders of modern medicine, so we'll forego that. That is true. I personally, in this situation, would in my headcanon, would love to think that Gala poisoned him. There's absolutely no thing saying that in, in any of the sources, but that would just make me so happy because she becomes a very powerful person after this. Oh, that's nice. That's a that's a nice 
comeuppance, I guess. I don't think, yeah. I don't think she, poisoning I does don't... not sound like in the playbook. It sounds like he just caught medieval coma or COVID. Yeah, that is that's probably possible. Well, shortly after his death, Honoris soon followed after, and Honoris died childless in 423 and was succeeded by Gala and Constantius's son, Valentinian III, who was just a wee little baby. So you put a little baby up there on the throne to rule your massive empire. Obviously, this this little baby's not making any decisions. So Gala ruled on behalf of her son until her death in 450. Whenever we get a Patreon or some other thing, I think we it would be a good episode to do a deep dive and rank her. I have been doing in the future episodes, we'll catch back up with her. She is a very, very powerful woman, and it is really like a crazy life during this time. I would say her life is more interesting than Alaric's, which is saying something. With that out of the way, and we explored the life of Gala for a tiny bit, let's resume back to our favorite king, Valia, who is now an agent of the Empire, has plenty of resources for his army and his people, he also instantly became allies with all of the barbarians loyal to the Empire. So this trade agreement was huge for them. It really helped them out. Can't believe it. Just I know. Doesn't doesn't <laughs> seem like this ever would have come to happen. I know. It's just crazy, especially after all of our episodes of the Romans just being... Oh, just not doing anything constantius must have really wanted gala in a creepy way because i mm -hmm. there's no other way of thinking why they would give up this much stuff yeah this is some strong creepy vibes here but you know for our good main man valia he got it and i i really thought that atolf would just blow everything but sounds like he wasn't so bad at screwing things up so yeah yeah good he, for him he kind of just held the the little kingdom at bay while while valia was coming of age i guess a bloody war broke out across spain between the imperial back goths and the other barbarian tribes because now they since they you know were pushed all the way back to the sea well they got to conquer that land all over again rome basically just stepped back and were like Yep, I'm not seeing anything and just uh, letting the whole land just get terrorized by Walia and his troops. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's back to the good old days. Yeah, I knew there was something good about this guy. The name the name could be better. <laughs> I, I, I know the name is I really wish he had a different name because oh, I love him so much. He is so much fun. He annihilated the Salinji tribe who were um, in the southern parts of Spain, and they pretty much ravaged that. So he ravaged the Ravagers. He slew the king of the Alani, destabilizing them and conquered their territory. What so he's <laughs> quite busy. He's... Uh, I. And uh, news of his military pro prowess must have traveled quickly. Um, as you were saying, what else did he get? 
the Vandals and Sweeby went, I nope, I am not touching him. You yeah, I yield whatever you want because this guy looks like a steamroller bearing barreling down on them. So his deeds spread across the empire, spread across Europe, and as you can imagine, stories began turning into legends, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I like this guy already. I thought he was just going to make a big mess of everything, but he's making a mess of things for everybody else. So he's doing he's doing good. I, I know. I really, really love him. Unfortunately, well, or fortunately for these people, he did not get everyone. Uh, all of the stragglers from basically all of the tribes f- went up into the mountains of Galicia, which is like northwestern Spain. There's a there's a big mountain regions that they would be protected by and would be just a pain to go and deal with them. So mm. they formed a kingdom of their own and remained independent of Rome. I am sure we will be reviewing them or we will be discussing them in the future because they, they become a big part of the story as well. Now, Constantius, for some reason, did not want the Visigoths to settle down in Spain. And he instead proposed to our king that they should settle in Aquitania province, which is southwestern France. Ooh. Yeah, no, I'm I'm familiar with that. That is some nice land. I think the main downside is that you're you, the, the, you're on the other side of the mountains now. It's, you know, if you're in Spain, you're kind of a little shielded from Rome in the event that things go south. So I just, yeah, that's the only thing I can think why this would be a good idea. I cannot like Valia must have been like, I cannot believe my fortune, whatever. He must have been praising God up and down. That province has the most beautiful and fertile land in the entire Western Empire it was given many titles by bards at the time. It was known as the Pearl of Gaul, the Earthly Paradise, and finally the Queen of the Provinces. Yeah, it's a coveted land area for a long time. I know that much. So it's it blows my mind, too. That Yeah, I like you said, I wonder if he did it to get the goss closer to him. That's the only thing. I didn't even think of that till you said that, but now I can see that being the only reason because Spain had been ravaged by barbarian tribes and he would constantly have to be at war against strong opponents to maintain power in the region. Just because he destroyed everyone didn't mean they were going to keep backing down. There's pockets of resistance everywhere that are actually really, really good at fighting. So maybe just creepily, maybe just creepily wanting the woman and giving it, giving her uh, to him was really all it took to just be like, yeah, you did good by us. Take everything. Yeah. Oh, that is so that's such a disgusting thought. Yeah, is it? It's it's got really creepy oh, vibes. We're going to give you the best land in the empire. Oh, I exaggerate. It's not the best, but it's pretty darn good. No, I would have to argue this is the best. This is better than Italy. This is insane at this time. Like, oh my, I, I cannot like get over why you would do this. And now you put them on, and now you put them on your doorstep too this strong tribe you have now put on your doorstep to be a pain for you in the future. Maybe you just really hope that they're going to get, you know, kind of cozy, cozy with you. Like how 
Atolf was kind of being lenient on Rome. Well, maybe they're kind of returning the favor a little bit and saying, hopefully politics doesn't go sideways for us. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just kind of interesting because Vali is such a strong king that you wouldn't think that you'd want him next to you. But yeah, it could be that uh, try and get him cozying up to them. So towards the end, in the close of 418, the Goths began their new journey to their new home. Unfortunately, in the following year, Walia died of illness, leaving no son to succeed him. Boo! I know. I'm so, I was so upset that it was this short. Despite this, he had a daughter who ended up being the mother of a na- man named Rickmer, who ended up like being pretty much the emperor of the Western Empire through like a ton of series of puppet emperors that were um over in ravenna well that's cool yeah so you see yeah he's got a quite a cool little story i can't believe i've never heard of him before and i i maybe because it's his rule is just you know it was pretty short that's all i got for him are you ready to rank him yeah let's do it okay how well do you think he played the real game of thrones did pretty darn good job doesn't sound like he was around for very long but all in all, it sounds like he tried his avenues and now the dice don't always shake out for you, right? That's just how it is. But then a, a, a lousy word, but he pivoted nicely. <laughs> he, he, he did so, he got insanely lucky too. Like all of the dice were rolling high for him that day. <laughs> well, the um, Mediterranean um, thing... Oh, I guess, yeah, that way. That's lousy. Guess... There's there's nothing you can do about that. And then there's famine. That's just lousy, right? Because famine yeah. is just... It sounds like they more or less just recently moved there. I guess I haven't kept track of the years, but you know they'd recently moved there, so they were just getting situated, more or less. So they can't necessarily have the full-blown establishments to bank against famine. So they're kind of at the mercy of the elements so to speak so they had famine and then they tried to do something about that by crossing the mediterranean that didn't work out and so then it came down to okay let's negotiate and i think that's just some really strong stuff right there i yeah i agree um for the years normally i give this right away he ruled from 415 to 417 so he did around two to three years he did all of that in two to three years. I think it's pretty solid. Yeah. Maybe it's just, again, we, of course, use biased sources, right? And we, of course, Correct. We, we give our two cents in, too. But it sounds like that despite things just going poorly and things that are not necessarily in his control still managed to kind of come out on top. Losing, a, I guess, uh, losing the princess is kind of a big well issue because of course that's a bargaining piece you can no longer use ever again that is right correct but it sounds like that they got in return they got food which is important because you need that to live as it turns out and yeah eventually down the line they got cozy up enough with rome to get the best land in the land (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that all of Western Rome controls. Yeah, he... We normally say, oh, we enjoy this time of history when people make bad decisions and you get just to watch the chaos. It's also nice to watch people make the right decisions every step of the way. And that was him. It wasn't his fault that he died of illness. That happens to everyone, as we're going to continue to see. You know, you can be a peasant, a noble, pope, king, emperor. Illness is going to take everyone eventually during these times. All right. You want to start giving some numbers? Yeah. How much do you think he uh, deserves? Let's start off. I think he's strong. Not very long lived in the game, but I think he did well with what he had. I want to give him like at least a seven. Seven. We'll start seven. Really? That's I like small. Him. Maybe, maybe I was... I am over. I Maybe I like him too much then. I was going to give him a 10 because I cannot see oh, a yeah. single misstep on his part. Now, again, this is what we are given in terms of the sources and it, it written in the narrative. But what did he do wrong? Nothing. He got everything right. Yeah, I guess he, like I said, he, you know, traded off the princess. I think that's you know, a good and bad, right? Like, it's great that he took advantage and used it to, I guess, his best advantage. I don't know if he had other options because, again, history just says what happened, not necessarily what if. So, and that's a that's a bargaining ship that maybe could have been used at some certain point, but, you know, humans don't live forever. So your your bargaining chips are expire. <laughs> let's, let's play this what if, because this is kind of fun. You sure. keep Gala. Constantius is going to continue coming after you until he has her. So yeah. you are going to have all of Rome. He was on his way to Spain during this time. And he even left Italy like vulnerable with how many troops he was bringing to barrel down onto the Visigoths. So they may have won. That is possible, yeah. but they also could have lost. Yeah, I think it was definitely the safer route. Uh, you have talked me up to give him to like an eight. Um, again, I, say, I, I guess it's really hard to give someone perfect scores that did not reign, I guess, very long. And their so, re their interactions with politics were relatively minimal. And crossing the Mediterranean is a risky move in and of itself. Uh, I would still support it but you know like i said i, yeah. I feel like no one it, it i'll be that terrible teacher and be like no one deserves a perfect 10 but yeah an eight or eight or nine because yeah i think he's so darn good i, I like he, him a lot this this section is how is how good of a player is he you don't watch survivor but in survivor some of the best players ever never win he's kind of like that like he is one of the best players right in this era with these set of rules that he was given i think he did every with the with the tools with the resources he had he had remember this kingdom was on the brink of pretty pretty bad destruction we had atoff's reign which he was kind of getting a little soft and then we had him assassinated followed by sigaric 
who usurped the throne and only lived for seven days. This could have been a continuous set of assassinations over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, let's see. Although he did immediately go to war, to like right away, correct? More or less as soon as he gained rulership. Um, yeah, he essentially said, all right, we need to secure our land. We need to just go. We need to not mess around we need to he basically announced himself in style and the fact that he could back it up is why i still have to give him full marks all right i'll i'll give him a nine just out of concession i i do i do like him but yeah we'll we'll record your your 10 there so that's a a total of 19 royal mischief kind of mischievous a little bit but not so much he's pretty straightforward i don't know how you want to deal with like bargaining that's you you know bargaining princesses that's kind of it's somewhere on the mischievous (laughs) scale but i know that's kind of par for the course here's the thing is we're gonna have to discuss this now we're gonna have to put disclaimers everywhere just because we say these are good moves and stuff and it doesn't mean it is a nice thing or a good thing you know morality wise we live in so much different times you are a product of your time so i'm sure in thousands of years from now people are going to look at us and do the same thing like that is absolutely barbaric why would you do that yeah why would you do a podcast yeah yeah like that yeah it could be a podcast cars could be like why that that might be their horses like horse is as main modes of travel to us. So I can't really destroy him so much on that because that is the rules of the world he is born into. Yeah. But is it, is it mischievous? That's, I don't think it's mischievous. I will say though, he is a Gothic warlord. He did raise a lot of hell. He caused Mm. a lot of damage he enslaved women and children. He probably enslaved men as well. He, I mean, he did what the Gothic barbarians did when they went into places to survive. To survive, they had to, they probably didn't have to do that, but for them, they felt they had to just raise the ground. So I'm going to have to give him two points, I think. He avoided war with Rome. He was a prudent leader and he wasn't involved in any plots. I, yeah. I, I say a two. Yeah, that's about right. I think two is appropriate. Okay. On to the next one. Religious passion. I couldn't find anything. There's, there's zero on his, on his piety. There's zero on his, on anything church related. Well, then I guess we give him the big old uh, zero per our precedent. Yep, I agree. You got to be a little bit more than a Christmas and Easter kind of guy. <laughs> Alrighty, so alignment. What do you think for this here? Neutral good. Neutral good. Is he is he on the good end? I was debating between that or a true neutral. He's a he's he's a in the grand scheme of align in the in alignment he's a boring competent king. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. 
neither good nor bad. I mean, he, like I said, he did do a lot of bad things for his people. I think for Atoff, we did say he was good based on that. So yeah. if we're going to continue the same thing, we can give him a couple of points. I can't yeah. say he is chaotic or lawful. No. I think he's a mix of both. So I think, uh, uh, I guess, neutral good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. For both of us. Okay. Three and three. Six. On to the next one. Stability. He was pretty stable in terms of internal control. However, his people had to keep moving through most of his reign. Yes, but they were moving on to greener pastures, literally. (laughs) That is true, but is that stable? I think so. If you're moving to a new place that is better, and I think that moving to like the best land and the country really to me is like, yes, this is a stable place to be, you know? Okay. So like, um, just for like you, cause you've, I've stayed in basically one place my whole life. So when you've moved from place to place, it doesn't like your life didn't really become that unstable. Uh, not as much as you'd think just because, and again, modern life really does kind of create a lot of sameness no matter where you are i'd say that there's a lot of social instability like your circles change uh Mm -hmm. you know your work your your relaxation all of that stuff changes it's yeah it is hard to compare but i think that yeah there is a it is a destabilizing factor but i think that moving from a place that was some of it was by racked by war yeah and that's well that's what i mean and some of it is by valia's doing yes correct so it's marks for and against like you can argue that it's like you know by quelling all of these factions other factions that they're creating stability that is true yeah you do have it him on there and he's got rome's side this at this point i think that's such a strong factor because i know that alliances are not permanent but it really just does speak like that he took the reins and just kind of led people to place aquitaine the great the great land the great the promised land i don't think he's perfect i'd give him high marks though i think he deserves just not a perfect like if it's an out of five like a three seems pretty fine i'll match that i agree You convinced me. All right. Dynasty or dynasty, as I've also heard it. I don't know which one is correct. I'm sure there are very passionate arguments. (laughs) Dynasty. Dynasty. Okay. He increased the presence of the Visigoths. He acquired land within the empire to build their kingdom. He got the best land possible. He set up his successor so well pretty not much in the way of um sons to inherit but correct but also like his dynasty slash legacy i would consider like part of this is legacy too so according to wikipedia so take it with what you will it is possible that he is a source for a legendary character named walter of aquitaine in 
Germanic legends. Walter's legend takes place in the 5th century after King Walia established a Visigothic kingdom in Aquitaine. Another thing that places him as the source of the figure is he clashed with the Vandals under Gunderic, which I believe Valia did as well. He clashed with the Vandals, obviously, but I don't know if it was under Gunderic or not. I did not go that much in the Vandals' reign. We will definitely be doing that in the future, though. Okay. On top of that, remember of the fact of his son, his 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 grandson ends up being de facto emperor yeah yeah no he did a great job setting up just the lack of sons part does put a slight damper i know that is that's such a significant factor but it unfortunately is yep primogeniture is everything these days well those days those days (laughs) all right not these what's the number oh five five out of ten yeah i think so i don't i don't know i i could go up i could go down i don't think i could go down but i could go up but for sure five i want to give him like a seven i think he did a great job of setting things up not having a son is a mark but to a certain degree you can't always really control that super well as evidenced by modern genetics. So, although <laughs> that is, that is true. They didn't know that. <laughs> that is, that is, yeah, that is very true. So I, I would give him a seven. Cause he did a pretty bang up job. Yeah. My problem is, is I know the future. So yeah, I will have to do seven. I agree. As of this point, seven. Yeah. I don't know the future or at least not this future. So how many points does he got? I'm excited for this one. All right. For a 24 and a 25 for a total of 49. Wow. So, so uh, not quite Alaric. an not Yeah, not quite an Alaric. What did Alaric beat him on? Oh, religion. Uh, he's, yeah, he beat him on religion for sure. But apart from that, I think it was just like he got higher marks on mischief would be a big one. Yeah, Alec was a mischievous individual. That is true. Yeah, again, you'll never be Alaric. <laughs> I would much rather have him as my king than Alaric as my king. I think if you plopped him in Alaric's spot, the result probably would have been very similar. <laughs> I Yeah, I, I wonder if Alaric's soul just transferred from Alaric to Walia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not historical fact, but it's in the realm of plausibility. I mean, I'm I, yeah. Even if he w- they were born at the same time, like even something happened. I don't know because it is so eerie similar. Alrighty, so with that, are we going to crown him as high king? Are we going to reduce him to a pitiful lesser lord, or are we so sick of him that we need to burn him? High king. Alaric of 2.0. Course. Of course, yes. Hi, He's King. the sequel we wanted. Yeah, he he really is. He's he the the studio nailed it for once. <laughs> well, that's how it goes, is like a lot of times the second in the trilogy is the worst. They kind of bring it back in the third. So that is true. That is true. 
However, sometimes they usually say the first movie, like uh, for example, like Pirates of the Caribbean. The first movie mm. to me is the best. Second one's the worst. At World's End is eh, kind of there. I love the third one. It is. It is really. I guess actually, that's a pretty good comparison. You have like the more primitive Alaric. <laughs> you have Atoll is like eh, and then you've got the big stage Wally at the end with uh like world's end all right yeah yeah i have to agree with that that's right Alrighty, before we close out of this episode we want to thank rex factor and spanish arpada for the inspiration behind this ridiculously ambitious journey our episode will be in two weeks so in the meantime you can go ahead and check them out thank you listeners for coming along on our quest for power If you liked our story, please tell a friend, family member about it. Make a comment on whatever platform you got. If you are willing to go the extra mile and uh, give us five stars so we can continue to get noticed on the rankings and the charts. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please message us on Facebook. And until next time, the king is dead. Long live Alaric. I mean the king.